0: VP Nation, what's going on, guys? We are back on the podcast. And this week, we have a special guest. This week, Ash and I sit down with Sarah Hayes. Now, if you don't know Sarah, she is the founder and head coach of Mindful Miles Running. And what she does is she helps all bodies start and stay running. She's been a runner her entire life and a competitive runner at that. And through all of her experiences, both an athlete and and a coach, she has realized that the same issues are coming up over and over and over again. And she's getting the same feedback from her athletes. So she created Mindful Miles with the intent of helping you find that hell yeah feeling and to stop comparing yourselves to others who are quote unquote better or further along on their journey. It's so much more than running and we're incredibly excited to share this conversation because we get into everything we talk about placing your identity in fitness type a personalities in the world of fitness motion trackers or activity trackers metrics data movement as meditation we cover the entire gambit you're not going to want to miss a thing so without further ado let's get into the podcast All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 95, and today we have a special guest on the show. Today, Ash and I are sitting down to talk to Sarah Hayes. And Sarah, I'm going to give you a second here to introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it. So take it away.
1: Episode 95, how lucky am I? Thanks so much for having me, guys. Uh, So yeah, my name is Sarah Hayes. I am the founder and head coach of Mindful Miles Running. What I do specifically is I help all bodies start and stay running. Um, I have been a runner my whole life, a competitive runner my whole life, and the reason that I started Mindful Miles Running was because I have always gotten the same feedback from people, and it's you know, they come to me with excitement to say, hey, I ran a mile yesterday, or I went to the gym and I thought of you. And then they pause, and they quickly start walking it back. And they give me, you know, reasons why they are not a runner or not an athlete. So I ran a mile. Oh, but it wasn't that fast. Or, oh, but I had to walk. And it was something that always kind of stuck with me. And I never understood. Why we were so hard on ourselves. So I started Mindful Miles specifically to help people find that heck yeah feeling within themselves um, and to stop comparing themselves to other people that they think are better than or further along than them.
0: Love that. That's awesome. Uh, Way more than running is what it sounds like.
1: Oh, it's so much more than running. But, you know, that's the sign on the door and
0: we will stick with it now. Keep reeling them in. Uh well, that's awesome, And I actually just recently listened to the live that you did with Hannah, right? Is that who you were with yeah, Hannah a yeah. long ago?
1: Yeah
0: uh, super awesome conversation. so I, I jammed out on that a little bit before we hopped on this call. I think that was yesterday, but I loved the topics that you guys were discussing, and so I figured we could dive into some similar ones um and really, the first place I wanted to start was this idea of placing your identity in fitness, or in your case, running, at least that's what I took away from some of the story that you were sharing with Hannah. Um, So do you just want to dive into that a little bit in terms of, like, when was it that you realized, holy crap, I'm putting way too, like, I've put everything into being a runner, and that's who I am. I'm like Sarah, the run girl versus I'm Sarah, the person
1: yeah oh my goodness wow we are getting right into it so that's a great question and it's funny because i think if you asked my friends and family they would still call me sarah the run girl which is fine i mean it's it's i love it running has changed my life um but it's true i think there is a very very fine line between um placing your identity in in fitness whatever that outlet is for you and letting it you know contribute to being the best version of yourself so for me specifically um, I started running, I think like in grade school, middle school, um, just because I was an athlete, I wanted to get better. Someone suggested it. And I was like, okay, why not? Like most people started running and was uh, didn't understand why anyone would do it. I was like, so we're not chasing anything. We're not tackling anything. We're not <laughs> catching anything. We're just running, okay. Um, and then, you know, again, like most runners, once you stick to it for a while, you quickly be fall in love with it and you quickly become hooked. And even if you're not a runner, I'm sure you can identify this, going to the gym, starting CrossFit, doing workouts in general. It's very unfamiliar, it's very confusing. We're not, you know, as humans, we don't love being new at things because of how comfortable it is. And then as you start to get a little bit better at it, you really start to love it and you really start to get hooked. At least that's the hope for me specifically. I I come from, you know, I'm originally from New Mexico. Um, I was the first in my family to go to college and I, you know, was really the first like athletic person in my family with potential. Um, and I had no idea like that I could go to college and play a sport and get paid to do it. And that was really incredible. And so I, you know, kind of crossed that line of letting it be something that I love and letting it be something that I identified in and that I put too much pressure on myself in. Um, So yeah, I mean, I went to college and I just focused on all of the wrong things. So running fast because I felt like I needed to rather than just enjoying it or trying to change my body or really restricting the things that I ate because I felt like if if I did that, I would be quote unquote better. Um, and you know, the environment itself, like it can be very toxic and I didn't realize that. So after college, I kind of fell out of, out of love with running and I took a break. And that's when I realized like, this is something I love, but I can't let it be something that defines me because it will run me into the ground. And so this, this whole concept of placing your identity in fitness is it's a really interesting point that you, that you bring up because yes, like. Um, I am a runner, but I am also a wife, I'm also a mother, I'm also a friend, I'm also a business owner, there's so many other things to me. And when I, when running and I are on the same page, I am great at everything else that I do. I love it. I'm able to show up fully for my people, for myself. But when I only focus on running, and I only want to you know, hit that next distance, I only want to do X, Y, Z, it's the complete opposite um so learning to find that balance has been very tricky but it's also been very rewarding
0: yeah absolutely and i love that story and appreciate you sharing it and my question is based off of what you were saying when you got into like the collegiate setting right and and thinking i have to do x y and z to get better and that's the entire intent of of why why i'm running you know i think at what on one token or on one hand that is why you're there in the collegiate setting, right? So I could see why you were battling that because they were, if you're on a scholarship, they're paying for you to be there. They're paying for you to perform. And and maybe it is, I don't know if all athletes lose sight of that, but I can see how it's very easy to fall into that, that realm of, okay, all that matters is that I go faster, I'm, that I'm better, that I outperform everyone that I'm competing against. And then when you took the break, during that time when you discovered like, okay, I need to focus on more than running, was it just mm-hmm. because you were burnt out on running and you thought, okay, like, I just, I hate running now. It's, it's no longer something I love. It's something I despise. Or was it something deeper of, holy shit, like, I don't do anything except run. People don't know me as anything except the runner. Or was it a little bit of both?
1: Yeah, it was certainly a little bit of both. I mean, I would say that at that time in my life, I, I lived in fear. Like, everything came back to running. So, Oh, if I go to the bar, if I um, if I wear flip flops, if I decide to go get ice cream, like every single decision for me came back to running. Okay, well, if I'm up late, how is that going to affect my training? If I eat this instead of this, will that make me slower? Um, you know, and, and yes, all of these all of these factors contribute. But for me, it just got to the point where I couldn't enjoy life. I couldn't enjoy myself. I was like, I was constantly living in fear because I just wanted to, you know, be quote unquote perfect. And there's no such thing. Um, So yes, when I did take a break from it, it was just more so again, like I had had a coach for eight years at that point. I'd had a strength coach. I'd had a running coach and to go from being told what to do every single day to just saying, congratulations, now get out the door. Um, There's a huge drop off. And so it was, it was really, you know, important for me to go through that because I got to learn what I do and what I don't like, how I want to embrace movement and fitness on my own terms. Um, But yeah, that entire, it was about like 10 or so months that I did absolutely nothing. Um, And I was I was the sickest I had ever been. And I don't, I don't mean like ill. I mean, constantly dealing with colds, congestion, you know, do I have the flu? Do I have allergies? What's going on? And so I think I realized one day I just woke up and was like, I don't feel good in my body. I really miss running, but I'm still like, it's like the ex-boyfriend. You're like, I miss you. But like, I'm still pretty mad about the way we ended things. I don't know if I should reach out. <laughs> um, and so that's like, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. This time it's going to be on my own terms. And so I, I mean, when I tell you, like, I, I, had friends that would go to, I mean, orange theory wasn't really a thing then, but like orange theory type classes and they always looked so fun and so cool, but I refused to do it because, well, what if it affects my training? I just don't know. And so, you know, I kind of said, I'm going to drop those beliefs. I'm just going to do whatever feels fun. If it's yoga, if it's hiking, if it's running, if it's lifting, if it's doing absolutely nothing. And, um, you know, the best thing that happened to me was by giving myself that space to explore and to play and to have fun, I started running just as fast as I did when I was in college. I started going further than I'd ever gone in my life and I couldn't believe it. I said, there's no way because I'm not training like I used to, but because I gave myself that space and I got to actually enjoy what I was doing, the joy outpowered the science like completely and it blew me away.
2: <laughs> wow. I love that. That's, so did you, uh, did that all happen when you graduated college? Like the, the 10 month break? Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So it was pretty much. And too, like, if you, if you think back to like who you were when you graduated college, like you don't know what the heck is going on. Like most people, like I had just started a new job. I was in a new town. I was, you know, you focus on other performance metrics. I wanted to be really great at my new job. And so I poured everything into that. And again, like back to placing your identity in fitness. Well, then I I learned to place my identity in my workplace. And that was just as bad. And that was another journey that I had to go on to say like, okay i am not sarah the xyz i am just sarah and my job is a a component of what i who i am my running is a component of who i am but learning to kind of pull yourself away from those identify like identifying factors is really hard
2: yeah absolutely i think so many people can relate to this i know i know i can really relate to it like i i dove in college but I was like forced to stop. I was put on medical release because I broke my back my freshman year. And that I, everything you're saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And like, it, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's so interesting and it's so challenging. And I think what you said about the transition between identifying as an athlete and then also identifying as like in the workplace. I think that's even like just as common too.
0: Yeah. Well, I think something that all three of us have in common is we're probably, if I had to guess, Sarah, we don't know you that well, but I would guess just based off of the little bit that we've gotten to know about you, that you're like a type A individual and we're both type A individuals. And I think a lot of athletes are super type A and they like, like we like routine. We like everything to be regimented and planned out and thought out and be analytical and look at the numbers and look at the data do you think that's something that because so many athletes are in that space like do you think that's having that personality type makes you more prone to placing your identity in things outside of who you are meaning like your are you're at whatever sport you play or your career or you know fill in the blank
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally do. And it's really funny because so many runners are also identify as type A and it's like, it makes sense. Like you, you get your workout plan, you figure out your mileage, you figure out your paces. Like this is something you can control. It's exciting. It feels good. Like you make the list like, Oh guys, I'm getting worked up over here. Just talking about it. I'm like, yes, the list, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it, it definitely is. Like I remember being like in college or early in my career and I had friends that just like would show up and they would just want to have fun or they would just go to work and then like once they left work they would completely separate and they'd go to like happy hour or whatever it was and they weren't worried about work anymore and I never understood them like I I didn't I I had no idea what like type A or anything like that was at the time and I was just so envious of them because I was like how can you just detach like that? Like, I who, like, how do I become that person? And then you begin the journey of like understanding yourself a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it really is. I think it's one of those things where the more you can understand yourself and your tendencies, the better you can obviously use them to make sure you're not falling into harmful habits. Because, like I said earlier, it is a very fine line of using it to set yourself up for success, but then potentially going way too far and way too into the deep end. And then that's when you have to raise your hand and either like, I don't like saying the word quit, but you, you get so burnt out, you have to quit and then restart or you raise your hand and you're like, I need help. And hopefully there's someone in your community that can give you that helping hand and, and actually help you.
0: Yeah, I could, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's so funny what you said about having friends that could detach like that. Cause I, I have no friends that are like us. Like all of our friends are the exact opposite of us. They are, it's not that they're type B, I wouldn't say, but they know how to detach like no other. And they have, yeah. They clearly have a life outside of their career. Whereas like our life is kind of our career and we're working on that. Cause like you said, we've learned more about ourselves over, over the years. But I used to be the same way. I would look at them and be like, dude, how can you come to the gym with me and train for... 90 minutes to two hours and then you're just stopping at wendy's on the way home and then like rolling a joint five minutes later like how are you doing that
1: <laughs> uh, yeah exactly and, and not even thinking twice about it like oh man like uh it's, it's like i i think i really envy those people the most because i feel like they know just truly how to live in the moment and like there's no right or wrong type to be. Um, but I do, I definitely admire that about the, the more type B people.
0: (laughs) For sure. Uh, and like on that, on that same token, I had a thought I was going to bring up, but now I'm losing it. Did you have something you wanted to add? I don't think so. Okay, I'll just—it'll come to me here as we go. Uh, but... I think
1: we were both just laughing because you said I have no friends, and then paused for a minute, and we were like, uh, "Is this yeah. time for help?"
0: <laughs> no, we we have friends, just no one that's like us. <laughs> Not many. We have a select few, but yeah, we we got people. They just don't love fitness, you know, that's, and that's okay. That's all right. Uh, yeah. That gives that gives us a chance to break to break out of our uh, <laughs> our usual routine and live in the moment, as you just said. Uh, now, speaking of Taipei people and like all the metrics and the analytics of that, I think and correct me if I'm wrong, but when I watched your live with Hannah, were you wearing a whoop? Do you wear a whoop strap?
1: I I wear a whoop.
0: Um, Team whoop. I, there we go. Whoop.
1: I'm gonna be honest though, guys. I don't love it
0: we were just talking Uh, about this last night give us your honest thoughts
1: yeah so i got the whoop um okay well full transparency i got the whoop about a month before i got pregnant so i i I got it in in anticipation of training for a marathon and really trying to focus on recovery because this, that, that is the magic spot is like, yes, you can work out hard, but if you can really optimize your recovery, that's where you're going to see the most incredible, important changes. And that's for any sport across the board. So I got the whoop because that's what I, I wanted. Um, I really wanted to focus on, you know, getting to that next level specifically through recovery. And then I got pregnant about a month later. So my training obviously changed the one gripe i guess that i have with these fitness trackers is i i love i am someone who loves the data i want all the metrics i want all of the information let me sort through it like uh with all of the athletes that i work with i get to see their heart rate i get to see their elevation gain i get to see their paces like it is totally info overload and i love it <laughs> um, <laughs> but as a personal athlete i there's there's a lot of issues i would say like within the whole idea of like tracking your metrics your data wearing all of these wearables the whoop specifically or like aura ring is a popular one that i also tried out what i appreciate about them is they helped me understand my sleep and my recovery better so as simple as this sounds if you are laying in bed for eight hours you're not actually sleeping for eight hours. And that was something I never really registered. You know, I was like, oh, okay, go to bed at 11, wake up at seven. Like that's more than enough. And that's really not the case at all. Um, so I appreciated that like trial where I got to learn a little bit more about like restful sleep. Aside from that, um, it's not really been too intuitive for me because one, as a woman, it's the trackers aren't helpful because most of these tests are done on men. So I'm getting insights and reports based off of the sample size of men. Um, also, in addition to that, I'm a pregnant woman. So Whoop can't really, uh, well, woman, not women. Um, whoop can't really support where I'm at right now in my journey. So I will, I'll be driving, and it'll tell me I just like cycled for 20 minutes. Which, like, maybe, yeah, okay, maybe, like, my heart rate spiked because I am, you know, I have a child. Um, But there was, it was just, it became to the point where it was too hard for me to try to connect the two points. And I personally don't love that because I'm a professional in this industry. I know what to look for. I know what questions to ask. I know what insights to try and pull out. Not everybody does know that. And so I think it gets to the point where we rely too heavily on these trackers to say, oh, you, you recovered well, go after it today. Okay, but the whoop doesn't know if you just, you know, like got in a horrible fight with someone or didn't eat well today or whatever that looks like. Um, and you may feel like crap, but if this tracker's saying go get after it, well, we're kind of learning to listen to this machine instead of looking inward and, you know, asking, okay, this says I recovered well, I don't feel great today, I'll try again tomorrow. Um, and that's kind of like the issue that I have with it is because it's not necessarily giving the amount of insights and teaching that I would like to see at, as, as a coach. Um, but it's also, if I could make the whoop myself, it would give you um, the, the perfect combination between learning to check in with yourself and then learning to look at the data.
2: Yeah, I love that. And I think that's something that I talk a lot about with my clients is if they have a whoop, if they have any trackable device, I the first thing I have them do when they wake up in the morning is truly check in with themselves. How are you feeling? Are you super sore? Are you, Did you sleep awful last night? How was your nutrition yesterday? Are you feeling bloated? And then look at it. Like g- almost give yourself like uh, a rating or on the scale like, oh, I do feel 90% recovered. Okay, if your whoop says you're 20% recovered, ignore it. Go train. Like it's okay. But then on the other side, it's like, okay, if you're feeling awful, kind of like you said, and you're whoop saying you're 90% recovered, take a rest day. Like, it's okay. You're probably going to wake up feeling better tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it is really important that, like you said, it is data. It's really useful to have in some situations, but I also think it's it teaches people not to really check in with themselves and, and listen to what their body actually needs
0: yeah i love go ahead sir
1: oh i was gonna say it's just that it's such an interesting point because i mean i've fallen victim to this i constantly have to check myself i for the last month like um so i have a whoop but i love my garment like that is my thing i just like if i'm not running with
2: it i like say i'm running naked because it's just what it feels like um, but- teach me about it because I have one and she I don't know anything. It. I use it for steps.
0: <laughs> okay. $700 watch. Talk- tracks her we steps. We will
2: talk after this and I will get you on board and do
1: all that is <laughs> Carmen. <charming.
0: laughs>
1: um, but yeah, it's a really interesting point that you make because I, all of the athletes that I work with that, that do wear wearables, even myself, I've fallen victim to this, where you look at the screen and it tells you, it tells you how you're feeling. Okay. This is a piece of plastic I could have slept on my arm and lost blood flow it could have moved in the night it could have done a million different things but I'm placing all of my faith in this hardware rather than saying okay how do I feel and it's a really interesting point that I love that you tell your athletes not to look at it first thing in the morning because it's something similar that I do um, you know I, I work really closely on like mindset and mental health of my athletes I'm sure you do too because it is such a large component But one thing that we really talk about and uh, how that we try to ingrain is not sleeping with the phone in the bedroom. So if it has to be in the bedroom for like security, fine, but not right next to you and having healthy boundaries around that. So specifically, the hardest thing that I've seen to implement is not picking it up first thing in the morning. And so when you get to the point where you don't do that, it's incredible because you're giving yourself that space of, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour. Where you get to truly check in with yourself and say, "Okay, how do I feel about the day ahead? How do I feel like in my body today? What do I, you know, what do I want to accomplish today? Whatever those questions are for you, and then you look at your phone and you can respond to the notifications. But if you pick up your phone right away, what's happening is you're you're triggering that fight or flight signal within your body, and you can't check in with yourself because there's so many other things in the world. Telling you how to feel, telling you you need to respond, telling you X, Y, Z. And so that's the, it's, it's the same concept that you're using with the whoop. And it's really incredible. I never thought of it that way, but it's true. Okay. Do I want to respond to the Garmin notification that says, you know, go get your steps in or do I want to sit here, enjoy my coffee and then start my day?
0: Yeah. Well, I love where you took this whole thing because I wasn't expecting you to go that route, but that's the route I eventually wanted to get into Because we, I remember when we lived in Florida, it was like the peak of the Apple Watch. Like everybody was fucking obsessed with the Apple Watch. And we were working at a gym where it was a very wealthy area. So pretty much everybody who walked in had some kind of tracker on. And I remember we made a video on TikTok and I had like a, I had my like normal G-Shock watch because I didn't, I was like completely against trackers. I wouldn't wear one. And I, in the video, I acted like it was an activity tracker and I threw it like onto the road. And I was like, "Quit looking at these fucking things," and because I just wanted to be super polarizing, and people were so offended, it was yes. hilarious. And <laughs> because, but that was our message that I was preaching hard at the time was like, "Stop depending on the tracker to tell you how to feel." And then Whoop came along. I think Whoop was around then, but it wasn't as big as it is now. And. Slowly but surely she eventually I don't even know how we got into it, but eventually I bought one just to look at the recovery, like you had said. I really just wanted to see what that was all about, how their algorithm worked for strain, and really just look at like the metrics. Cause like you said, I don't need the this piece of plastic to tell me how I feel. Like I can check in, but I want to see like what's what's what data is it giving other people? What data is it giving our clients? Like why do they think X, Y, and Z? Uh, But you're both, uh, you and Ash are 100% right. Like you don't need to depend on this this device or the screen to tell you how to feel. And I think it was Kelly Starrett. I don't know if you're familiar with him. But he's a physical therapist, was super big into CrossFit a long time ago. And now he owns the Ready State and works with all kinds of different athletes. But he actually did the exact same exercise that you're both really describing of having your athletes wake up, do a self-assessment before they look at the whoop. And I think he was using whoop for the example. And he had this crazy data that he accumulated from a handful of athletes that every morning when they did the self-assessment first and then checked their tracker, whether it was whoop or something else, it aligned almost every single time for like a 10 day period. So I don't, yeah, it was crazy. So I don't know, like, obviously that's just his one little experiment he did by himself but it's at least somewhat of a testament to like you're in control and like you need to be able to do a self check-in and assess how you're feeling, not to allow some activity tracker to do it for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, wow. I wish I was taking notes because there were so many great points that you made there that I wanted to follow up on. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's true. And that's, I mean, that's applicable to anything in life. Like, I I like wine. I will have a glass of wine. If I have one every single day, I'm not going to, I mean, okay, I like wine. I'm not a big wine person. That was just the first thing I could think about. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not going to, maybe I won't appreciate that glass of wine as much, or maybe it'll get to the point where I become, you know, I rely on it and I just pour the glass at, you know, six o'clock rather than thinking like, oh, do I even want this? You know? And so it's, it's true for everything where. Yes, you can use things that make you feel good to like enhance your life, whatever that looks like. But you still have to understand: like, is this helpful? Do I actually want it, or am I just following a trend? Am I listening to like, you know, what this professional athlete is doing, and now I want to do that too? And I think it's tough because people get these watches and these trackers because. Like it's always well intentioned, like even looking at like diet culture and you know challenges and things like that, they're always well intentioned It's because you want to be a better person, and how can you not respect that? But the issue is is there's not really an onboarding that comes with it that says if you don't close all your rings, it doesn't make you any less of a person. it doesn't you know these are arbitrary numbers that we are giving you as a suggestion like that is the number one thing that I say when I start working with someone new is I say, listen, this is the training plan. This is what I'm thinking. This is considering a perfect day. Every single day you slept well, you ate well, you're drinking enough water. You're not getting in fights with anyone. There's no other stress. And so I say that because you need to learn how to edit the course yourself. And like, yes, as a coach, I'm here for that, but, You don't see those notes coming with the whoops and the garments and and the Apple watches that say, it's okay if you don't do this every single day. Because eventually, too, what I've seen is it leads to burnout because you're like, oh, I got to close my rings. So I'm just going to run in circles around the couch all night until I get there. You're like, (laughs) Oh, okay, but like what did that do? Like if you're not going to wake up like some elite athlete tomorrow, you know, and, and I, I get it, not everyone shares this opinion, but um that's that's mine. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. I feel like you're calling Ash out for biking That's... just to beat me on Whoop score, and I feel like you're also calling me out True. when you said the wine comment because I eat a popsicle every night just because I think I should. I probably don't. It's even a want habit. One.
2: It's not a should. It's a habit. That's what
0: I mean. It's become a <laughs> habit. I don't even need it or want it. I just need a popsicle. Now it's like a. It's an addiction. I just need a popsicle after dinner. So she's just yeah. she's reading, feeling back layers on us like left and right.
2: Yeah, but. <laughs> Sarah, I liked what you said too about like the rings with the Apple watch. I was literally having this conversation with a client yesterday about like the eight to 10 K steps. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, like that is just a recommendation uh, to help people be active. It's not Mm -hmm. like you have to hit eight to 10 K steps every single day just to like to achieve your goal. It is literally just a measure and it's it's okay if something happens in your day and it, it doesn't happen. The next day you wake up and you, you plan to do it again. And the step goal is, I, I, I don't want to speak too deeply into this because
1: I don't know for sure. Um, I'll find the link. I'll send it to you guys. You can just keep it in the show notes if you want. But that was a marketing tactic. Used, I th- like I don't remember what country it was, but that wasn't even like recommended from like I don't know doctors. It was a marketing tactic to get people out the door, and all of a sudden it just blew up. And so we took mm-hmm. it again as Bible, and that's like the most beautiful thing and the most devastating thing with like Google and and all of these apps and trackers and things like that is we just assume that if I found it on Google, it's the truth. And there is so much misinformation out there. And in addition to that, we're all so different. So what may be misinformation to me, because it doesn't work for me, may not be the same for you, but we're not taught to to question that. We're taught to take everything as fact. And you're like, well, where did you learn that? And it's like, oh, well a friend told me, and her mom told her, and you know, there's, there's just never any hard evidence behind it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you said that, because I say that to people, our athletes, and just, on the podcast, on TikTok, on Instagram all the time. Like there is no fucking evidence for 10,000 steps. There's none. It doesn't exist. There's no clinical research. There's no meta-analyses on step count. It just, it's something that tries to get you moving every day. Um, so I love that you brought that up. Now, again, that went like down a completely different rabbit hole than <laughs> I thought it was going to, but I loved it. Because what I was going to say in terms of the data and the metrics is, In our experience, and I don't know if you can relate with runners, I'm assuming you can, another thing with data, another, I don't want to say problem, but something that we see happen a lot is just like athletes get obsessed with their recovery score, whatever their tracker says, same thing can happen with their split times and their, their loads and their, you know, their, if you're in CrossFit, like the time to complete the workout and you can get so wrapped up in that and get so obsessed with that data, just like tracking macros, you can do it there as well that you start dictating your sessions on like whether it was a a successful session or not based on that data. When in reality, like you said, your, your training program is designed for a perfect day. Well, no one has perfect days every day. And so I get athletes all the time who are like, I just talked to one the other day and she said, Oh my God, like the training feels weird. I, she just did this crazy hike, like hasn't trained for like two weeks. I'm like, yeah, you just hiked 215 miles. Like, You're not supposed to feel normal. You're not going to feel the way that you did prior to, and that's okay. I don't give a shit if you can't hit the percentages that we were talking about before or if you miss a set here and there because you're physically exhausted or still recovering. Like, That is part of the process. Like you said, learning to tune into your body and listen to your body and make those self-adjustments. That's one of the things that I try to teach all of my one-on-one clients is this isn't a game of checking off all the boxes and just doing it because it's written there. It's about really tuning into who you are as, a, as an individual, who you are, if you want to call yourself an athlete, and what your body's capable of on that given day based off of how you feel.
1: Yeah. That's a really interesting point, too. Um, there is a professional runner by the name of Alexi Pappas, and she wrote a, a really wonderful book. At, it's called Bravey. And, um, it's about, you know, her journey as a professional athlete, it's about mental health. It's about really, it's it's a story about coming into her own. One thing that she mentioned that really stood out to me was she was having, she had some sort of track workout with her coach and it was a terrible workout. Like she, you know, and we've all been there where it's like you start and you get into it and you're like, this is just not happening. And she was really upset and her coach pulled her aside and said, that's how you know it's worth it. Not all of your workouts are going to be great. If all of your workouts are great, that means you're not pushing yourself hard enough or you're not performing to your you know, level of ability. So you have to practice the rule of thirds. A third of the time, it's going to be great. A third of the time, it's going to just be average maintenance mode, whatever. And a third of the time, it's going to be horrible and you're going to quit and it's going to be okay because that's where you learn the most about yourself and you have to give yourself that grace because if you push through, there's no, you you don't learn anything from it. And so it's on a similar thread to what you said, a little bit different, but it's so true. I think, you know, I would love to see in coaching relationships in, you know, physical education with young kids as they're learning, you know, about movement and their bodies. I would love to see that as the first building block of, checking in with yourself and making it okay if you don't check the boxes. Um, because so often, I feel like we give, what's the word I'm looking for? Like we give so much importance to whatever whatever our guiding force is, so it could be the app, um, it like couch to five kids, very popular in the running community. It can be like the CrossFit coach, the running coach, whatever. Um, the 75 Part challenge. I know that one's really popular right now. The neighbor that claims they're, you know, going to help you find the results. And so we let these people become like gods to us, regardless of if they're actual people or not. And we're so focused on, okay, well, I can't, I can't fail the training. I can't fail my coach. I can't give up. Because what happens if you give up? Well, you're a failure. You have to start from the beginning. You don't have willpower. You weren't strong enough. Like all of these things I've told myself because, you know, I was like, well, I'll try this meal plan. Oh, I cheat on it. Oh, okay. I guess I'm just not strong enough. I'll try again tomorrow. Well, I cheated on it again. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to tell anyone that I cheated, whatever that looks like. Rather than saying, this isn't working for me but I'm too afraid to communicate that to someone because I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm weak or like I can't do it. And so we, again, like, it's just, I think it's something that we all struggle with because we were never taught to raise our hands and say something feels wrong. And especially too, if you're working with a coach, raising your hand and saying something feels wrong, I need you to help me through this. I need you to talk to me about what's going on because there's the constant tug of war between the mental battle of like, can I push through and, and do I just not want to, or is my body actually saying like, you need to chill. Like we'll try again tomorrow.
0: Yeah. I love that. I don't mic drop on that. I don't think there's anything to add.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, I don't have anything to add. I it like gave me chills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking on the deeper side of movement then, cause I feel that's where we're kind of going. You talk a lot, or at least what I've seen about using movement as meditation, right? And that concept. And so I just want to dive into that a little bit. And maybe you can explain to anyone who's like, what the hell does that even mean? Like where that concept is leading. And then we can kind of dissect it or peel back the layers from there.
1: Oh, sure. I, yeah, I love it. Especially because again, back to the, the conversation about like so many athletes are type A and we just want like if you get, if you do X, you get Y, like, you know, and so talking about meditation, and really, like, listening to your body, and all of these things, it's like, okay, um, that sounds cute, but what does that actually mean, you know, and, and it's, it's funny, because a lot, of, I'll talk to a lot of people that are, like, sure, like, journaling, and yoga, and meditation, like, sounds great, but, like, I want to run a marathon or I want to lose 20 pounds or whatever that looks like. So what can I do to get there? I'm like you can, you can learn to be a more mindful person and not only are you going to get there, that's going to, that's not going to be the goal anymore. It's going to be a stepping stone. It's going to be a milestone because the goal will change as you move. And as you learn more about yourself, because you want to do this for you, you don't want to do it. To lose the weight, or to run the marathon, or whatever it is, because there's so much more to that. And so again, it's very woo-woo. I know it can feel weird at first, but it's um, I think that's the number one thing that learning to be a little bit more mindful, a little bit more intuitive in your workout, um, is what ultimately sets you up for long-term success, and is what keeps you from burnout. I again. I'm a runner. Everybody knows me as the girl who loves to run. People are shocked when I tell them I don't run every day. I do, well, I mean especially right now, but I don't run every day. And I am the I have found that I'm the strongest, the happiest, the healthiest I've ever been because I don't place all of my eggs in one basket. I lift weights. I lift heavy weights and I love it. I eat whatever I want. I, you know, I don't I don't track, I don't do anything like that. Um, I go to yoga, I bicycle, I do all of the things because I'm listening to what my body wants. And so, yes, I'm able to see the performance gains from it, which is really great. But what's more important to me is, again, I'm able to enjoy myself and I'm able to show up and not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, how many times have you shown up to a workout and you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this, but like, I guess I'm just going to do it. That's fine. But if you if that becomes a cycle, that's when you get burnt out, that's when you see injury, that's when you just kind of give up and and blame it on yourself instead of saying, how can I look at this more holistically? How can I be more mindful? How can I implement things that I enjoy that maybe I would have never tried in the past? And that's kind of where you get to see the other side of what this is all about. That's when you have a better appreciation for yourself. That's when you show up to conversations with friends and family and you're fully present and you enjoy that and you're not just worried about what time you need to wake up tomorrow so that you can get your lift in before work. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I could talk about it all day. It's tough for some people because it isn't the most tangible thing. I don't say like meditate for 10 minutes a day and you're going to find that you are the happiest, healthiest person you've ever been. It doesn't work for everybody. And there's so many different types of meditation that I think too, is it's like, we put ourselves in these boxes of like, well, I, I downloaded Headspace, I tried meditating, it was horrible. So now I just can't do it at all. Well, okay, but there's many other things that you can do, just like weight training, just like running, just like yoga. Just because there's one thing you tried doesn't mean that it's not for you. It just means that what most people gravitate towards isn't really your jam. And that's totally fine.
0: Yeah, I love that. And what I'm picking up from that as you're describing it is it's almost the message that we've preached to some people that you you don't need to put yourself in these buckets and then that's the only mode of exercise or the only training methodology that you are quote unquote allowed to do. I know I used to label myself like as the crossfitter. I could only do CrossFit. If I did anything else it was like why why are you doing that? You you do CrossFit. <laughs> and for a long time like I thought CrossFit was the shit. That was the only way. So that was why I fell into that that mindset, but that's what the message I'm getting is like do things that feel right for you in that moment, do things that you feel you're capable of in that moment. Get out there and explore things that, like you said, you may not have tried before that may appeal to you and treat it as this holistic approach of movement as opposed to like, okay, like this is training. Like I got to go hard today. I got to do X, Y, and Z. Like that's what's on my program. And that's something that I have personally been trying to do lately because I'm rehabbing my knees again is realize that if I wake up and feel like dog shit and walk out into the garage and don't wanna do this terrible session that I've planned for myself, terrible meaning like really grueling. Yeah. That's okay. I don't I don't have to. Because I'm not trying to pursue any specific performance goals now to where I need to be as regimented. Like it's okay to take coda for a longer walk. It's okay to just hop on the bike and go like low intensity, steady state. It's okay to switch things up completely and do something that I hadn't been planning to do whatsoever because of some movement is better than no movement.
1: Exactly. And it's so funny that you say that because back to like you talked about your CrossFit days, like back to my like hardcore running days, I was the same way. If I went to a yoga class that day, I had to run still because it didn't count. If I, like, if I did anything else, I had to run because hello, I'm a runner. Like I can do extra things, but I can't not run. Um, so it's really interesting that you, you mentioned that. And there was something else that you said that really stuck with me. I can't remember it now.
0: Um, no, it didn't really stick with you then.
1: Yeah, I guess not. I- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's such an interesting concept. And I think to, um, It's slowly coming back to me. So the, the idea of wanting to be great at one thing, that's really incredible. And I think it's wonderful that people want that and they want that level of excellence for themselves. But, and this is, this is something I remind people of often, that's not your only job. Yes, it would be really incredible if we were professional athletes with endorsements here and there and a team full of doctors and coaches and dietitians and you name it, but we're not. So why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to destroy the workout and show up and neglect other areas of our lives when this sport isn't paying our mortgage, you know, and so it's again, with like, I feel like the theme of this is like talking about the fine lines and how you can dance on them. Yes. I admire that you have a goal and you want to show up for yourself and you want to push yourself and see what you're capable of. Let's get you there. But if we get to the point where we have to adjust the sales and we have to maybe move the finish line or reframe the goal, why is that a failure? Because if you think about it, and, and, and I'm sure you guys can resonate either with yourselves or with athletes that you worked worked with, we love to do this thing where we look back at when we were out at our like peak. So oh, when I was running my fastest, when I was lifting the heaviest, okay, that was great. What else was going on in your life? How was your sleep? How were your relationships? Were you showing up at work? Because nine times out of 10, when I'm talking to people, they're like, yeah, I mean, I was happy to be working out three times a day, but I was deflecting. Like I wasn't actually happy, you know, or it's like I was getting over a breakup and I channeled everything into exercise and then I got hurt. And so it's again, like, can you go a little bit deeper and ask yourself, why is this specific workout so important to me? And is is it for a good reason? If so, proceed. And I'm going to cheer you on and you're going to cheer them on and we're going to push you through it. But if it's because you're just trying to get away from something else, like, dude, that's not it.
0: (laughs) Dude, no good. Uh, We talk about that all the time. And we, we usually phrase it as like seasons, right? Like what season of life are you in? Because we, we do the same thing. Just like you said, I'm like you said you do the same thing and reflect back to when you were like your quote unquote fastest or fittest, however you want to phrase it. I say that to Ash all the time. I'm like, yeah, I had an okay session. I mean, nothing compared to what I did in 2015 because that's when I was my fittest and then if I really look back at 2015, I was single. I had essentially no responsibilities you other than in the gym grad school I worked at a gym or mm-hmm. I was in class that was it you know and I had shitty relationships I didn't maintain any communication with my friends and really the only thing I pursued other than fitness was her was ash and so it was one of those we times where, uh, yeah i mean that worked out but well, long story there but it eventually worked out and but you look at that season in life you're like no wonder i was my fittest i was obsessed with fitness that's all i did and where now yeah i may not be as fit as i was but now we have each other we have a dog that we take care of mm-hmm. we're trying to start a family soon like we've we're looking at buying a house. Like we've got all these other things. We're maintaining better relationships with our friends and all of that stuff. It has, at least in our opinion, has way more value than what your mile time is, what your split time is on your 5k, how much you can deadlift X, you know, fill in the blanks from there. Um, I think the whole, like what we've been hinting at is there's so much more to life than just fitness or just running or whatever modality that you're interested in. And it's, It's a really hard battle, I think, for some folks to unpack that. And it takes a really long time. I know it took a long time for myself to peel back all of those layers and then rebuild everything in a way that creates a more structured, balanced life. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that is, you're speaking life into me right now, because that's something that I, I so wholeheartedly believe in too. But although I believe in it, it's really hard to accept it sometimes. There are seasons of life there are seasons of everything and you can't be a hundred percent one thing all the time like again like back to running a lot of people don't like running in the winter does that mean you're not a runner no but it does mean you need to find something else that you enjoy if you don't enjoy running in the winter don't force yourself to do it go find something else that you like but it's really interesting because we i feel like we are constantly looking to get the most out of ourselves but we don't realize There are buckets, like we have a million buckets in our lives, and if most of them are filled and most of those needs are met, aren't you getting the most out of yourself? Like, yeah, your fitness bucket may not be overflowing, but your family bucket is, your relationship bucket is, your goals are, your freedom is, so why don't we focus on the one thing and think that it's going to make us happier? Because you can't can't give to one thing without taking from another um so that's I I love hearing that you guys also agree with that because it's really tough for people to hear sometimes when they're you know when you're like oh well I gained weight because I'm not working out as much well what are you doing instead well I started this podcast um I started dating this girl and you know you see them light up and whatever it is that they're focusing on instead is really it's hopefully at least a really wonderful outlet it's really awesome for them and you're like okay so do you want to break up with with the girlfriends no why would I do that should you walk away from the podcast? No. Why, why would I do that? Well, because you're, you're telling me that your fitness isn't where it used to be. So what's more important to you? And then they're like, oh, okay.
2: So I can't have it all. You can't. I'm just not at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. Anything to add, Ash?
2: No, I completely agree. Chills again. <laughs> Chills again. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. No one can see me, but I'm like nodding my head. I'm like, yes
0: preach i like what sarah yeah, said speaking life mom, into you're her
2: not along with each other yeah
0: i wish more people would say that to me you can say that to me sometimes um, you're
2: speaking life into me mm-hmm. mm. that'll feel
0: that'll feel good <laughs> that'll feel good uh no awesome uh well sarah i want to make sure we're respectful of your time i loved all the topics we got into today i think it was an awesome conversation went down some rabbit holes and off on some tangents that i wasn't expecting but that were amazing Uh, If anyone listening wants to find out more about you or Mindful Miles, where can they find you? How can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so I think first and foremost, um, I do like I have like an offer for all of your listeners that's not running related. Um, It's just for athletes that are looking to find a little bit more motivation in their day. Um, it's my top five tips to never lose motivation for a workout ever again um, I, I found it to be very helpful it's like one of the number one things I coach my clients on so if you want access to that free course you can go to mindfulmilesrunning.com slash motivation I'll share the link with you guys as well um, and then if you want to find me on social media my my handle is just DG underscore Hayes so I'll, I'll give you the link we'll put to that, that in one. the show notes Yes. It's kind of hard to follow. Is there with an H, not with an H? I don't know. Uh, But yeah,
0: that's that's what I'm all about. Love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I know I had an awesome time. Ash may have had an awesome time. She was just nodding her head a lot, so I wasn't sure if she (laughs) was okay. It was an awesome conversation. Uh, But yeah, awesome conversation. Hopefully we can collaborate more here in the future. And at that time, you should be a a mama. Should Uh, have a little one.
1: Yep, so we'll have another member to the team. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) That's it. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, we cannot thank you enough. Ash and I just want to take a second to express our gratitude because if it were not for you, we couldn't continue to show up week in and week out on this channel. So if you enjoy what you hear on these episodes, please head over to Apple, leave a five-star rating, leave a review in there as well. That is how we reach more people and change more lives through this platform. Now, if you didn't catch it at the end of the episode, you can learn more about Sarah and Mindful Miles running check out the link in the show notes to get an awesome offering that she is giving to you for free as well as the link to her instagram where you can ask her and find out all sorts of information about running about mindful miles and about how you can move forward on that journey now if you don't follow us across all of our other platforms you are missing out head over to instagram head over to TikTok, get on facebook Follow us at Ballistic Performance or Ballistic.Performance across all those platforms to get every single piece of content that we offer because there's going to be something, there's going to be multiple things that you can apply to your health and fitness journey and move one step closer to your goals. As always, we appreciate you so much and we'll see you next week.